BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. everyone. Welcome back to Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Olivia Perez. I'm a journalist, interviewer, and the creator of the show, where we get to sit down, make a new friend, and go inside the minds of some of the most innovative and creative forces shaping our world today. Today's episode is one that will forever bring me so much joy, because as most of you guys know, if you follow me on Instagram, there is no designer that I love more than Christopher John Rogers. This episode was actually recorded back in September of 2019, but in honor of New York Fashion Week and the Met Ball, I thought it would be a great idea to bump it to the top of your inboxes. This was actually the sixth episode I have ever recorded for the podcast. I cringed while listening back to it, but I also loved listening to it because I realized really how incredibly shy I was and so not embracing of myself yet as a podcast host. I definitely grew into my voice over the past two years and it just feels really good to know that I'm more in my skin and more connected to you guys on the show. And it actually just brought me so much pride to see how far both Christopher and I have come since recording this. I actually met Christopher when we were both graduating seniors. I was asked to be on the jury panel for the SCAD fashion show where he was a student, where the graduating students would show their senior thesis collections, and I will never forget meeting Christopher. I was mesmerized by him and his collection, the color, the fun, and that is something that is so ever-present in his brand today and what makes me love him most. He is so forceful in his vision and has never changed his mold for anything. I always say that there is nothing that makes me feel more beautiful or myself than wearing something from Christopher. But if you're just meeting Christopher for the first time, if you Google the name Christopher John Rogers, you will probably see a ton of articles that say, meet Christopher John Rogers, fashion's next big thing. And those things are all very true. At just 27 years old, Christopher is without a doubt the most exciting designer in the fashion scene. Although he only broke onto the scene about three or four years ago, Christopher has garnered industry-wide acclaim through his unapologetically joyful and colorful designs. He was the winner of the 2019 CFD Vogue Fashion Fund, and his clothes have been worn by icons like Michelle Obama and Rihanna. Also, today is the Met Gala. I highly recommend everybody tune in if you are tuning in today on Monday, because I'm sure Christopher will be making a big splash on that carpet tonight. If you haven't followed the show and you find yourself coming back and listening, take the time to follow us. And if you love the show, share it with a friend. I always love seeing when you guys are listening. So share it on social, tag me. I will always slide into your DMs and say hi and always reshare too. I appreciate you guys for tuning in today. I hope you enjoy this episode and have an amazing week ahead. Here's my friend, Christopher John Rogers.
Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Friend of a Friend podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Perez. If you Google the name Christopher John Rogers, a slew of articles will come up all with the same title. Meet Christopher John Rogers, fashion's next big thing. I actually met Christopher when we were both graduating seniors in college. I was invited down to the Savannah College of Art and Design to be on the jury panel for the fashion students graduating collection. He then went on to work for names like Rosie Asselin, Tanya Taylor, and Diane von Furstenberg, all while creating a collection shown only on Instagram. Now, he's one of the youngest designers to show at New York Fashion Week with rave reviews from Vogue, WWD, and more. His clothes have been worn by Michelle Obama, SZA, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Cardi B, just to name a few. And he's now a finalist for the CFDA Fashion Fund this year. Needless to say, those Google headlines definitely have a point. In this episode, Christopher and I talk about creating glamour in a not-so-glamorous world, representation in the fashion industry, and how a Baton Rouge-born designer plans to make it big in the Big Apple. Here's my friend, Christopher John Rogers. I'm so excited to have you on today. Yay, I'm excited to be here. I can't believe I haven't seen you since Savannah. It's like really the craziest thing. It's been, you know, it's been like... But that's like, what, three, four, three years? Three, four years? How long we've been out of college. Oh my God. Yeah, because we were the same age. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, you were in college then? I was a graduating senior. We were the exact same age. It was so trippy. (laughs) Crazy. I got there and I was like, oh my God, I am worthless. Like seeing all of your art. I was like, oh my God, these people are seniors as well, the same age as me. And they are creating like beautiful collections. And I don't, I I can't even like do arts and crafts. No, it's totally fine. No, you can definitely do arts and crafts. Because that's what we're doing. It's arts and crafts. (laughs) It was such an incredible experience though. I still think, Dad? yeah, mm-hmm. Savannah was like one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to. Yeah, it was, it's really great to like study there. Like, I feel like if I would have gone to like New York or Paris or London or whatever, like I would have been so informed by like the cosmopolitanness of the city and like thinking about, you know what I mean? And like Absolutely. in Savannah, like I had my car so I could like yeah. drive wherever I needed to go. And like, it was really comfortable and like warm and like kind of like homey, like Southern or very Southern. Um, but like it was far enough for me to be able to like find myself and spread your wings. Yeah, yeah. Girl. We'll get more into that later. But tell us where you're from and where you live now. Um, I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I live in Bushwick, Brooklyn, right now. Being from Baton Rouge, I always think I'm a city girl. I grew up mm-hmm. in LA. I lived in New York, and I think okay. fashion is something that's like so prevalent in both societies. Yeah. Um, but I'm I've never kind of lived in a smaller town, and mm-hmm. Baton Rouge is not a small town. But I mean, yeah, it's like a small. It's like a bit, yeah, like it's yeah. Like a big, it's like a, it's a big small town, basically. Right. But um, I'm always really curious about how fashion informs your life growing up there right. in not such a metropolitan city. Well, I think like it was, the funny thing is like I always grew up or I grew up always on the computer or like on the internet. Um, my dad uh, like fixes computers as like his like part-time job, like his gig on the side. So I always grew up like looking at things online. Um, and so did my friends. So we were always on Tumblr or LiveJournal or like DeviantArt or Lookbook.nu. And like, we were just looking at like- Oh my God, Lookbook.nu. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. My brain just no. went like like <laughs> 10, 15 years back to I me know. sitting in like my parents' house. Like taking photos. Like, <gasps> yes. I know. With the blue filter oh, from Photoshop. My, I, I forgot. I completely erased from my memory. I know. But like, so it was like, being informed by like the rest of the world while also only having access to the things that were around us. So like, you know, we, we were going to, me and my friends were like going to thrift stores and um, one of my best friends, um, Julie, at the time she was 
um, like going to Goodwill and like buying vintage wedding dresses, chopping it, wearing it at the top with like leggings and like a sneaker and like going to school. And like that sort of like mishmash of like high evening or like really special clothes um, that were altered mixed with kind of like the athleticism of Baton Rouge, um, which is a, which has a really big sports following, um, kind of informed the way that I designed um, and design now. Um, so, like, that was always really interesting, like, to see how everyone, like, all of my friends put together their looks. Because um, one day it could be a t-shirt and, like, running shorts, and the next day it could be, like, a proper, like, dress and, like, heels and going to school and getting an A in, like, all of her classes. So, like, also that was interesting, like, her being able to be exactly who she was and then also, like, not having her clothes define her, but just adding another layer to who she was. Um, and that also, again, like, informed the fact that you can, for me, that you can, like, wear whatever you want and be whoever you are and not have that be the only thing that you're known for. Do you feel like your style was as ever-changing during that time as well? Like, design-wise or personal style? Personal style. Yeah. Because I, I feel think. like I wore the craziest shit oh, when I was in high school and middle school. Me too. Yeah. Uh, well, even like going further back, like in elementary school, I um, for picture day, I always wore like head to toe a color. Like fourth grade, it was head to toe yellow. I think fifth grade, I, it was way ahead to- of the monochrome look. look I, that. I mean, look at that. <laughs> yeah, like I was like kind of just like putting together whatever I wanted. Like I, there was a like, this thrift store around the corner from um, my school, Baton Rouge High, and it actually is like one of the best thrift stores that I've ever been to. Um, but, like, I would buy, like, vintage, like, cowboy boots and, then and like, burgundy and then wear them with, like, gray skinny jeans and an oversized cardigan and then, like, a floral pin from Anthropology, And then, like, you know, just, like, go to school every day, yeah. like, in, a, in an outfit. And then, like, it was fine. You know, and then we were friends. I was friends with everyone. So, it, it was, like, really interesting, like, the, like, I was just allowed to, like, embrace all of the nuances and, like, subtleties of myself. And that's something that I always try and bring into the work that I do now. Was there a specific moment that like sparked the love of fashion for you obviously at an early age? Do you like remember distinctly being like what's that? Um I n- no, I think I've always been interested in it. Like I don't know why. I just think it's just something that I've always kind of loved. Um I did I was like an anime kid, so I grew up on like Card Captor, Sailor Moon, Pokémon, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um both televised and like actual like comic book form. Um, and like one day I was drawing, um, comic books, like we made our own comic books in elementary school. So I was drawing with my friend Catherine. And then one of the characters that I made, she was like, why, like, are they always wearing the same thing? And I was like, well, like, I don't see like Ash Ketchum changing his like hat every day. You know what I mean? Like he's wearing the same thing. So why would I ever like change the outfit? But then that just kind of like made me start thinking about the importance of clothing and like how by immediately changing your outfit, you can change someone's power or something about them that they didn't even know that existed within them. Um, And, like, that transformative aspect and that, like, self-identifying and self-actualizing aspect upon reflection is what really drew me to fashion. But at the moment, it was just kind of like, okay, like, I can make decisions about, like, what this person is like or what they like or how to add another layer to, like, to this person. Um... So that was, like, the first moment that I realized that, I guess, the fashion design was a thing. Um, But I was always interested in, like, people that express themselves quite 
loudly with their outfits. Um, I think also because because of like growing up in the South, I wasn't always, or I, I felt like I needed to shrink myself in a lot of ways. To shrink um, yourself? Yeah. Why? Well, I mean, being like black and gay and like Baton Rouge. Like it was, it actually like low key or a high key, it was fine. Like I never really got bullied. Um, But like if I went to the mall or whatever, like obviously people would stare because of the way that I walked, even no matter what I was wearing, if it was like a t-shirt and jeans, which it never was. But like if it, if, even if it was just like something simple or subdued, I would still get stared at. And so then at some point I was like, well, if, I'm, if they're going to stare at me and kind of like snicker, I might as well just like wear what I want. And then also like characters and personalities that had the most amazing powers in the world, but also wore the most amazing ensembles was really inspiring to me. Like, so I've always been drawn to not even access, but full expression and full authenticity. And that was definitely something that I was always trying to explore growing up. Like, if I couldn't say what I wanted to say or, like, move the way that I wanted, I could at least maybe dress in the way that I did, and then you would get the picture. Yes. Um, and that succinctness of message visually was something that I always was interested in. We'll be right back after a quick break. Let's talk health supplements. There's a problem that I have with them. It's that I'm not necessarily convinced that the mass majority actually do anything to improve my health. The rare herb that promises to cure everything most likely can't. I know which foods are good for me, but the problem is that my schedule generally doesn't allow me to eat enough of them every day. This is why I love Memory's whole food powders. It allows me to fill the gaps in my diet with highly absorbable whole foods. And there's not a single ingredient on their label that I don't recognize, which is absolutely rare. But let's get to the benefits. Memory is all about improving brain health, which I really feel like we don't talk about enough. And because eating for brain health is eating for your gut, muscles, bones, and heart, I literally use their powders for everything. It's my daily greens mix, ultra clean, plant-based protein powder, fiber-heavy gut solution, and most importantly, my daily cognitive support. One serving of memory gives me 10 grams of plant-based protein over a serving of leafy green veggies, six grams of fiber, prebiotics, and absolutely zero sugars added or sweeteners. It's also a great source of antioxidants, which comes from its first ingredient, blueberries, vitamin A and K, magnesium, and plant-based omega-3s. They make it so easy for me to incorporate this into my daily routine. All three delicious flavors can be quickly mixed into an eight-ounce glass of water, blended into a smoothie, or even incorporated into your favorite recipes. My favorite flavor is the base right now, but Memory is giving you guys 30% off at checkout when you head to yourmemory.com backslash friend. So I really recommend taking full advantage and trying them all. That's Y-O-U-R-M-E-M-O-R-E.com forward slash friend for 30% off at checkout. Now let's get back to the show. So then you left high school yeah. and you went to SCAD. It, it was just like super enchanting. Everything about it. Um, the intimacy of the, of the facilities and working with the faculty and meeting everyone and like being surrounded by so many different types of aesthetics in one place was like, was really interesting to me. So it kind of made the most sense. I'm also like obsessed with fashion. So I was like, okay, like what are all these people doing? Like what, like, okay, like McQueen didn't come for money either. So, or Galliano. So that's like a great reference. Like what do they do? Oh, they went to these schools. They had like a great thesis collection and people started paying attention to them, et cetera, et cetera. The journey goes on, whatever. Um, so then I was like, okay, I'll just like go to a good school and like do a great thesis collection and then I'll get picked up by like a store and it'll be great. And then that also didn't happen. So then I was like, what do I do now? And again, I think that was like an example of 
like reaching for something and then having it not happen, but then still pushing for the thing that you want. So what did happen when you left school? I moved to New York. Um, and then I moved in with my friend, my, one of my best friends at the time. Um, and then they had a vacant room, which had like no windows and then like a mat on the floor. So I just slept on the floor. And then I brought my senior collection with me and I like bought a rack or I got a rack from Craigslist. It was like down the street. So I picked it up and then hung my collection so I had a collection. I had a suitcase with my clothes and like a cot on the floor. And then I just slept, slept on the floor. Applied for jobs, didn't hear back. Started working at a restaurant, busting tables. And then I was like, and then also like lending out to like different stylists at the time. So I was like emailing everyone that I could like find a contact for. And I was like, hey, pull myself, pull myself, pull myself. And then people were like, who, who is this? I'm, I'm sure because like they weren't responding at the time. They're like, what, what are you doing? But I eventually landed an interview um, at Diane von Furstenberg, um, who at the time had just hired Jonathan Saunders to be the new creative director. Uh, and he was someone whose work I always looked up to and was obsessed with. So when he closed his own label in London, I was like, oh no, like, I really liked seeing what he was doing and like his presence in fashion. And then to have him come here, I was like, okay, great. I need this job. Like I was like, I have to work here. And then after I saw their first collection, I was like emailing furiously. So then I went and had an interview with my then boss, Henry, or my future boss, now past boss, but Henry. Um, and he saw my work and he really, although I had no experience in knitwear, which was the role that I was applying for, he saw my point of view and um, the references that I was using and my affinity for color, which is what a lot of the things that Jonathan was working towards at DVF. Um, and then I ended up getting the job after Jonathan saw my portfolio and my project. Um, and then I was working at DVF. How did you balance the two? Because you were at DVF and still pushing your own collection at the same time. Right. Um, so for the first few months, I like kind of put my own collection away because I was like, I need this job. I need to like just focus on this. And then I think about like three months in, I got an email from Vogue. And then I, I know. And, but they were like asking me to come to like a panel, like to like, listen to a panel okay. um so i was like okay well this is like weird but i kind of have to go like i feel like i can't like not go yeah. so i told henry i was like hey henry can I talk to you and so he was like always really supportive of me he was like okay fine like we just can't so like, we can't say anything but you can like leave and go to like the, the doctor it's fine and so then i would like shout out supportive bosses shout, no literally yeah because it could have it literally could have just been like okay you need to leave even though he was very well aware of like what was happening it was kind of like don't really talk about it right so after that, I kind of would like, if I had a pull from someone, I would bring it in like a non-discreet, in like a discreet bag to work. And then they'd be like, oh, I'm downstairs for like L. And then I'd go to lunch and like drop off. Like it was very weird. But then after about a year, everyone kind of knew. And it was like a fine thing. And everyone was really supportive. And then when I started showing on the calendar, that's kind of when... I started to like have to really make decisions about where I was going to take the brand and how I was going to juggle both things. Did you show on the calendar at the same time you were at DVF? Yeah. How? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I do know. It was like a lot of help from friends. Like yeah. um, one of my coworkers and friends that now lives with me, um, Alexandra, she would drive all the way from Boston like every other weekend to help me sell. So for the first season, we sold everything. The second season, I was like, I can't do this. 
And I outsourced a few things like the tailoring and the jackets and the things that I knew I wanted to be absolutely perfect. I like would sacrifice like extra money that I had and just put it all towards that. And then we'd make everything else, like all the conceptual pieces or the fun pieces and the loud things. Um, and then this season, I would say maybe like we're making 75% of everything still. And then 25% is being made in the garment district. Um, but we have like friends that come over and help us make everything. It was kind of interesting because at the same time that I left DVF, I was getting like all these calls to these random jobs. So I was like making clothes for commercials at the same time as like making custom things for like Lizzo and other celebrities. So that was like becoming an income. And then I was able to do more things to help me sustain myself while I wasn't working a full-time job. So it, it all kind of, it all worked out. I always like to ask this. I know it's a pretty generic question, but mm-hmm. I do think that young people in fashion always want to know yeah. what's the best advice for getting the job. Ugh, being annoying. Yeah. I think. Persistence. I'm, yeah, persistence. I'm just like email, email, call, call. Call. Until they say, if they say no, then that's, then you probably should stop. But if they're not responding, I would just say hustle, email everyone that you think that you can email, um, apply for things that you may not even really be interested in and see where that goes too, I think. We'll be right back after a quick break. If you're like me, every time you pass a CVS, you always find a reason to go inside. Whether you need one thing that turns into 30 things or you wander down the beauty aisle and end up getting one of everything and a bunch of things that you don't need but just have to have, Well, I have good news for you now. You can indulge and get rewarded because CVS is now accepting super easy, touch-free payments with PayPal and Venmo. And you get $10 cash back on your first in-store QR code payment of $20 or more. When I pay at CVS using a QR code, it's just a few taps in the app and I'm done. I don't have to deal with all that annoying change or pulling out a credit card, forgetting things on the table as I'm rummaging through my purse. And it works with a cashier or at self-checkout. Plus, I got that $10 cash back the first time I made a purchase of $20 or more, which was huge. It was almost like getting everything half off. I've used PayPal for years for online purchases and love it because I know that my purchase is always safe. But now I love that I can use it in stores now and know that I'm getting the same security, but while on the go. To get $10 cash back for your first transaction of $20 or more, just head to your local CVS and pay using your PayPal or Venmo app. That's $10 cash back on your first purchase of $20 or more with the PayPal or Venmo app. To see terms and learn more about how you can earn $10 cash back, go to paypal.com backslash friend. Now let's get back to the show. So now you're on your own. She's on her own. She's all on her own. How does yeah. it feel? It's a little scary. Yeah, right? It's exciting. I remember um, when I left, I was working a full-time job after school and I remember the day that I left and woke up the next morning and was like... <laughs> I, yeah. I was like, what did I just do? <laughs> and and because it's like you take a leap of faith, but without really do. any like net necessarily. I, I also like, I've said this once and I'll say it again. I think when people leave full-time jobs and start to, to like go do their own thing, mm-hmm. they always think that like everything's going to happen overnight. And right. it's like, oh my God, I cannot tell you like, the hell that I was in for the first six months yeah. of being freelance. Yeah. Own. It's hard because you have to get your name out there. You have to like at least get a little community around you that like supports you. 100%. Um, so it, that's really hard. But I just started consulting actually like two months ago. So that was great. What kind um, of consulting? Uh, design collection development. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's a side hustle. Yeah. You make it work. Absolutely. But I want to talk about your collection from 
February and you're doing your first runway show in like two weeks. Yeah. But it's your collection's always been really interesting to me because I think people in our position have every reason to gravitate towards streetwear, modern, mm-hmm. contemporary. Mm-hmm. But to me, you were always feminine, luxurious, yeah. glamorous. That's really hard to achieve. Why did you go towards towards that aesthetic? Is that just what you feel? What you instinctually feel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I love anything adjacent to the high femme. I love things that take up space. I love things that are fun. It's just like what I personally love to see. And when I was given the chance to show on the calendar, like we we applied, but like everyone else. Um, but when we got approved, I was like, okay, this is like our chance to really show what we're about. And like, there should be no concessions because if this is the last season that we show, like if this is the one and only season, we actually need to give them everything that we have. So it's like metallic tailoring, but also subtle linen tailoring. And then also pink ruffles and sheer tops with drama Swarovski on the back and a puff sleeve blouse and like shimmer satin with fluorescent jeans because that's what I feel. And, like, allowing, as I said before, all of the little subtleties and nuances of the things that I liked to be present. Even if they weren't all fully realized the first season, at least they were all kind of there. And people could see all of the tension that was in between the things that maybe didn't make sense. And I think that felt new. Right. So that's what I was interested in doing. I also, I read in an interview because I stalked you. (laughs) Um, But I really liked that you... To embrace glamour in its fullest form. Right. But most, imp- I think you said something along the lines of, I want to design glamour for a world, world that is not really so glamorous at the moment. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah. I mean, I think as we all know, we're living in times that aren't the most accepting of, it's funny because like we're, I think we have, there are a lot of, obviously a lot of different worlds that are happening right now. So there are people that, are not into acceptance or inclusion or a lot of different types of people existing in at one time. But at, on the flip side, there are tons of ways for people to feel included and to see themselves in media and all these things. But I'm just really interested in adding to that and making things for people who like the things that I make. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I think, like, it's so, like, a lot of the conversations around how we're getting dressed or the things that people want to buy or wear or feel like they need to wear have to be pragmatic or neutral or easy or simple. And I don't think that that's necessarily always the case. Um, I think even if something is a bit more simple, it can be a beautiful color. It can be something that makes you feel something. I'm basically just, like, really into things that make you feel. Right. Um, and I think now in a world where we're having to like constantly address an, like an influx of information and like think about the climate and the earth and politics and all of these things that are quite serious and important, I think it's also okay to have fun simultaneously with the clothes that you're wearing and then address the needs of the day. I think everybody at some point likes to be extravagant to some end. Yes. Yeah. And also ex- extravagant doesn't have to mean uncomfortable and it doesn't yeah. have to mean superfluous. Yes. I feel like your idea of extravagant is the fullest form of yourself. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, if it's, you know what I mean? Like it can just be like a, sim- a simple blouse and hot pink. That's com- that's the most comfortable fabric that you've ever been in with jeans. Right. Because that day you're feeling like that. And so, I, 
want to offer that along with a feather concoction in the same offering. You know what I mean? Like they don't have to like be mutually exclusive. Do you feel like you ever balancing between wearability mm-hmm. and glamour? Do you ever feel like you're sacrificing design? Where did the two meet for no. you? No, I think that is the design. It's both things have to exist um, because I don't ever really want to make something that someone can't wear somewhere, even if it is super ruffled and or super bulbous or, you know, forces you to like have to maneuver on the street in a weird way. At least you're wearing it to like a cocktail event or you're finding a way to wear it to work or wear it on the street or something adjacent to that in the collection. I think that the melding of wearability and pragmatism and effortful dressing feels modern to me. And that's, or I mean, at least just me. It feels like what I want to say. And your clothes have been seen on, okay, take a deep breath, like Mm -hmm. moment of silence for this crazy list. SZA, (laughs) Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, Cardi B. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Yeah. But, and I like what you just said about modern woman, because what is your idea of modern woman? considering like the most amazing women Mm -hmm. today that are inspiring so many are wearing your designs. I think being modern is honestly like eye roll, but just being yourself. Yeah. Totally not eye roll. Like Cardi B and Michelle Obama and Casey Musgraves and Tessa Thompson are all their own person. And fearlessly themselves. Absolutely. And And like every time someone wears something, it looks so different. Or it looks so them. It looks like they're in wearing something that they want to wear. Like they're not being like stuffed into something that they feel like they should be wearing. Yes. And I think that the clothes that we make are so, I don't want to say polarizing, but they're like, you either like them or you don't. There's no room for trepidation or like being tepid or lukewarm about your opinion of the things that we're making, hopefully. Right. So it's either like you're pulling it and you're buying it because you want to wear it, not because, oh, it's an option. I feel like fashion has become a little polarizing for me lately. Mm -hmm. I feel super like, I feel like I had to retrain myself to wear what genuinely makes me happy and what I want to wear and not what my idea of fashion is. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I feel like that's just something that like I've consciously had to get over lately where it's like I've been inundated by Instagram for like nine years Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. But is that what makes you feel good? Right. And… It also can be like, I mean, and it also can like change. Like right. I used to be of the opinion of like, okay, like have an aesthetic, have a point of view and like you should be wearing this like all the time if that's what you like. But like one day, like I said before, one day can be like a tank top and shorts. Right. Fine. It's fine. Because yeah. you're actually living your life like you're not, right. you know, It doesn't parading. need to be a full look every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. And then the next day you can be in a full look and that's okay. Right. I do love all the custom pieces that you've been doing for Lizzo have just been… Thanks so incredible Mm -hmm. and I feel like I want to know what that process is like because I really just see her being her absolute best self yeah it's it's really phenomenal to see she's amazing I um actually have only she's the only person that I've dressed celebrity wise that I've met and her energy is insane yeah her energy is insane she's amazing she's I think she's said it before, like, it's so hard to, like, love yourself in a world that doesn't necessarily love you back. And I think that that energy of, like, her trying or her, like, on the journey to loving herself and, like, having to accept everything about herself in a world that maybe might tell her otherwise just gives her such a... She has no choice but to be optimistic and to be herself. Yeah. And 
the process of dressing her is always great. Um, I work with her stylist, Marco Monroe, and he's super supportive. They always love whatever we're coming up with, whatever ideas we have. But she's open to taking up space and, like, being amazing. You keep saying taking up space. Yeah. And I really... It's, like, striking a chord differently for me. Mm-hmm. I think because you are... You're doing that yourself in a way. I mean, in a very yes. large way. I think, obviously, there's an intent be- behind naming your collection after your full name. Mm-hmm. And I was really curious about what you said earlier about being a black gay man in mm-hmm. the South, but that now transitioning to you having your own line in New York mm-hmm. and going through the ranks. Yeah. How do you feel that has made you look at the industry differently? I think when it comes to the intent behind the work, it's to create clothing for people to feel feel or be their most self-actualized at that given moment. But also, I think, to widen the canon of what fashion created by a Black man can look like or a Black person can look like. I think for quite a while, there's been and also still is like this idea that it has to be rooted in something quote-unquote urban or street or sexy in a way that can be quite reductive. Right. Um, Or maybe not not even reductive, but just not as full or as nuanced as people are. Yeah. um, Especially people of color. Right. Um, But I think that I'm just trying to be as myself And true to everything that I like as possible at the same time to allow for other people to feel like they can identify with what I'm doing. Yeah. So it's like vintage aspect dinners. It's trash on the street. It's clowns. It's um, PBS kids. It's like Emeril Lagasse saying bam. It's Sailor Moon. It's like really bad couches from like the 90s. It's like, it's all the things that I like but like in one space. And you may not even know that I'm referencing that thing, but it's like somehow by combining all of those things, like it's allowing for people to see themselves in something. It does. I can see how, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with your conviction. You're so conscious about one, your position and your impact and influence. It's it's amazing to watch you speak because I can see how conscious, because it's coming from your heart. Watching you speak just now and feeling it coming from your heart because you were so you were thinking so deeply about it. I can relate to that feeling. Mm-hmm. Especially as someone that's like, you're growing your brand and you know that you're growing an influence and you know yeah. that you have the power to change and help people. Right. Yeah. And that's also like... That's heavy. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about like safe spaces and like yeah. allowing for people to just be themselves and to be like play nice. Like be nice. Right. Don't be an ass. Right. And there are a lot of people that's like that are like, oh, that's not real. That's not like realistic. And I'm like, I'm actually... I, I've, I'm living proof that that 100% is a reality can be a reality right like obviously there are always going to be people that aren't the best people that aren't nice aren't giving or judgy whatever yeah. but like for the majority of like for the most of my experience it's been that just that like people being kind people being open people being different people being themselves and no one making fun of them for it or judging them for it or trying to put them down or stop them from existing or living or expressing themselves. 
We'll be right back after a quick break. Today's podcast is brought to you by waterdrop.com, the new go-to hydration brand. As we all know, drinking enough water is super important. It helps our bodies function properly and keeps our minds sharp. Not drinking enough water can actually lead to a number of annoying symptoms like loss of concentration, headaches, dizziness, and so much more. Did you know that health experts actually recommend drinking eight eight ounce glasses of water a day, which is equal to about two liters or half of a gallon? That can be a really intimidating number, especially if you're on the go. I'm currently in New York right now for Fashion Week. I'm constantly on the go, constantly moving from place to place. And I got to admit, getting enough water every day has definitely been difficult. But now I have Water Drop and it's become so much easier because not only is their range of flavors really exciting, but it is so easy to use. All you have to do is drop one of their micro drink cubes into your bottle, wait a few seconds and bam, you have a delicious drink that keeps you hydrated and gives you vitamins. Right now, I'm loving their youth flavor because it doesn't just add a delicious taste to your water. It also adds vitamin B2, B3, and C. In fact, all of their micro drinks include vitamin C, which we all know can help boost our immune system, especially as the winter months start coming up. I also love that sustainability is at the core of their mission. I have one of their glass bottles and I take it with me everywhere so that I know that I'm not using plastic bottles. You can head to their website, waterdrop.com and get a special discount for friend of a friend listeners. You'll get 15% off their large collection of micro drinks, glass and steel bottles, carafes, glasses, and so much more with promo code friend of a friend, one word until the end of September. That's waterdrop.com to receive 15% off your order. Now let's get back to the show. What do you feel like has been the most challenging part of having a line? Everything. It's like not, it's really not, like I've heard that it's not just like designing the clothes, which I knew, but I didn't know how much of everything it was. Yeah. It's like making the clothes, but then also producing them and also making enough of one style that you can like make the cost like realistic for someone. Yeah. And then also packing that to ship to a store. But if your things are huge. You're giving me anxiety. <laughs> right. No, same. But it's like if, if like you have like this big ball gown, you have to ship it in one box, which like adds to the cost of the ball gown because you yeah. can't fit three in them. And, and it's just like stuff like that that you Little need to think about. every day. Shipping, like, you know, like sizing, like everything. Buying fabric. Like, is it local? Is it like from overseas? Is it a sustainable fabric? Is it like are you making this fabric in a style that someone's going to want to wear for the next 20 years so you're not just like contributing to waste and global warming yeah. and fires and you know unnecessary drama so it's it's a lot is there one specific challenge i feel that you feel like you're trying to overcome right now mm, i maybe it's hack need but like just cash flow finances you and cuz we're self-funded like right. a lot of people have gone through like rounds of financing or um, have have something or whatever. But it's like hard because we also don't make, like we're not at this point making things that are strictly day wear. It's quite, right. The clothes are quite special. Yeah, quite. Um, like, they're the most special. Like, <laughs> like they're, they're, you have to like, they're, they're not the easiest things. Right. Which is fine with me. Right. But so that, like also trying to, it doesn't make anything easier, but it's just like, but it's what we want to do. It's what we have to do. So yeah. we're just trying to find a way to do it in a way that makes sense for us. Is there a brand right now whose business model, you know, publicly, business-wise, mm -hmm. anything in the background that you admire and you look up towards? Yeah, Dries, I think. Although… Chef's kiss. Uh, I, literally. Chef's literally. Kiss. I mean, he's been around for forever. Right. 
Um, he makes clothes that are experimental, but then he also makes clothes that are super wearable. Yep. Strong focus on color, strong focus on print, great fabrications, consistent every season, isn't trying to be anyone but himself. 100%. Um, just recently sold, I think, a, maybe a majority of his company. But like for quite a long time, he was self-financed and self-owned and yeah. um, just really steadfast and stuck true to what he believed. And that's what I want to do. A lot of people just want to do their own thing or like make things, which is yeah. fine. Um, and they're finding ways to make those things. And it's like, then it becomes a business and then it's like, okay, we have to like make this top because it's sold before and that we're going to do it in like nude now. But I do think that, and that's also something that we're trying to grow into. Like I'm not naive and I don't think that like I can be making, like this, what, I'm, what we're doing now isn't, a sustainable model for like ourselves as human beings because we can't keep like right. staying up until 3 a.m. sewing all of these clothes. We're going to have to like scale at some point and you know eventually make like we're that's where we're trying to grow into is like a company that not uses an algorithm but really thinks about or just as more I guess like I think we're trying to grow into a brand that obviously still addresses the fantasy but also very much aggressively the reality of people's lives um, and grow in that way too. Um, without losing any of the specialness of the clothes. So in order to do that, there we have to start somewhere. So yeah. I think that's what we're trying to do. A level of success at a young age. Mm-hmm. What makes you insecure about how you're progressing your career moving forward? That I'm moving too fast or in a way that doesn't feel measured or like or or that I'm maybe I'm being too emotional and not like thoughtful enough I'm trying to be both but I just want to I want longevity and I want this to be a I want to grow it into like not just a visual feast for people but like a true business and I think that that's like trying to find mentorship trying to find funding trying to find other people who know about that part of the business because I can't pretend to be something I'm not I'm not like a Harvard business graduate I'm, I'm I am an emotional fashion person obsessed person creative artist, um, fabric chef thing. So I, I guess I'm just trying to do things right. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.